you've been following this Gilgo Beach murder case, it's been going on for many, many years. Uh, several weeks ago, a Manhattan architect named Rex Howerman has, was arrested for the murder of three women whose bodies were found on Long Island. He's suspected in the death of a fourth woman. There are 11 bodies all told, uh, all in the same general area, dubbed the Gilgo Beach murder. Howerman uh, was tied to crimes by DNA. There was an eyewitness to a car that was used to abduct one of the women. Um, The question is going to be, will the remaining victims be tied to this man? Are there additional victims in other locations? Uh, Is there a second perpetrator? With us to discuss this is the person, perfect person for the job, is internationally recognized criminal profiler and psychotherapist John Kelly. He's lent his expertise to 100 serial murder cases. He appears on CNN, NBC, CBS, and um, all over the place. And he's written and he speaks about these issues uh, everywhere you go. Uh, He's also uh, the first person to label serial killing as a true addiction, which I find to be interested. Welcome to the show, John. How are you? Karen, thank you. Thank you. And, and, And thank you to your audience. Yes, people love this stuff, do they not? Uh, I and when you say serial killing is a true addiction, I think you do you mean the people who follow serial killers or the serial killers who are killing. It's it's interesting you uh, serve <laughs> it up that way because it's probably a little of both. But uh, my focus was on um, you know the addiction of uh, serial murder, and you know these people are actually killing people to feel good for self-gratification. I mean, just like somebody uses heroin or cocaine or any other drug, this is what gets a true serial killer high. And I having complete control and dominance, usually sexual dominance over a woman. Uh, They get a big high out of that. I, 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 I have to agree with you because it seems to me that any person with a brain, and many of these serial killers are intelligent human beings, you would think they they reason to themselves. Listen, I don't want to spend my life in a you know in a cage, um, so I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to find some other way to uh, you know to make myself happy. But it has to be an addiction, doesn't? It? I mean, you hate to take free will out of any equation, but could a person who is on the serial killer treadmill get off at any point? Well, yeah, it does happen. I mean, there's no question about it. And think about it like this, too. Usually with addicts, eventually something will happen where they'll stop. They may die. They may go off to prison. but Or they meet, you know, uh, Miss Wright. They, they, they find the right woman or something, and they say, you know, this, this drug stuff's not worth it anymore, so I'm going to stop this addiction. You know, they hit their bottom or something. Same thing with serial killers. Serial killers get to a certain point, whether they get older or whatever happens, and then all of a sudden they just disappear, like the Zodiac disappeared. You know, I mean, it, 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 they just stop for some reason. And, and, but while they're in it, addicted to it, I mean, uh, you know, they get, they get, they get high off uh, other people's misery and death. It's just so against any sense of humanity that you can't help be fascinated with with this. And I think that explains, you know, the proliferation of, of movies and, and, and cable shows and books about the topic. Um, let's talk about Howerman. I'm so, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. You know, he's innocent until proven guilty. Um, but what what do we know about this man that fits the description 
of what you think a serial killer would be like? Well, this would be, uh, he fits the description of a sophisticated serial killer. Uh, I think he's 59 years old. And usually serial killers start somewhere between 25 and 35, going back to the day. These days, it's looking like they're starting younger. But here's a man that is what we call, I call an evil chameleon. I mean, he's able to live two lives at once, okay? And he has this very, very dark and sinister side that, uh, not too many people can see, and people that might see a little of it just pass it off as, oh, you know, he's just having a dark humor or something. And then, you know, this is a man that, you know, is being charged with, and like you said, he's innocent to prove guilty, you know, being able to uh, abduct and control and and get his victims uh, from one location to the second location where he's going to dominate them and kill them. So do I mean, you say he's pretty sophisticated. Do you think that he took the women out? Most of the women were, were sex workers. And the right. idea was that he would call them up. He picked a certain type. They were most of them were very petite, some under five feet tall. He's a very big man, a very, very big man. Right. Right and and right. With the, was the idea that he met them and and took them somewhere and then buried them on Long Island. What what do you think the theory is here? Well, first of all, you have to understand that these guys are always focused on petite women. Okay, you're very rarely going to see a five foot nine or five foot ten inch woman becoming the victim. These guys look for smaller petite women because they're easier to control. Because they're smaller and they look weaker, and you know the, the guys usually head and shoulders over them. Okay, so I believe he set them up, um, uh, you know, to meet him somewhere. Maybe had dinner with them. One girl I know for sure he had dinner with, had dinner with her, and then propositioned her at that point in time with X number of dollars to get her to the second location. See, with the sex workers, unfortunately, it's all about the money because they need the money in order to keep their drug habit going. Okay? It's a very sad situation. All right? So it's very easy to get them from point A to point B. However, killers that kill prostitutes, any kind of sex work, do not kill all, everyone every time out. For whatever reason, they, they just don't. Okay? And then... There's, a, there's sex workers out there that are alive that happen to know this guy and happen to know, you know, his ruse, all right? Uh, but I believe it's always meet me in a restaurant, meet me over here, meet me over there. Now, don't forget, he scoped them out online already. He scoped them out online. He's looking for certain physical characteristics, especially with Hewerman. You know, he's very, very uh, interested in blondes, Okay. Uh, his wife is a blonde, um, you know, a couple of his victims, few of his victims were blondes. I mean, uh, you know, that, 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 that's the type of physical, uh, characteristics he's looking for in a woman, small, petite, and blonde. Okay. You know, um, and that seemed to run right in there. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the parallels between our 
local hometown serial killer, John Wayne Gacy, who killed 33 boys and buried many of them under his house in the suburbs. Um, You know, there's so many parallels here. Do you see them? Oh, yeah, I see them. And, And again, look at the addiction. Now, here's a guy, here's a guy here that was so addicted to killing that he couldn't stop. Now, also, too, what I'd like to educate you on and, and the uh, your audience on is there's two types of serial killers. The serial killers that abuse substance themselves and the serial killers that do not, okay? So the ones that abuse substance usually don't get very far, okay? Usually they can't stop. They usually continue to kill because they're ingesting the big uninhibitor, whatever the drug of choice may be, alcohol, cocaine, whatever it could be. So what happens is they get more sloppy over time. And and Gacy is a perfect example of this because he was always doing drugs. He, He had a drug habit for a lot of years, right, whether it be marijuana and other pills. I think it was a mix of both. You realize this guy had a, a, a smart guy like this had thirty three bodies in his cellar and didn't even realize the stench that was coming out of there. <laughs> so you know the person that's you know under the influence of the substance, you know, I mean, really has a problem. Okay, and and they're going to get sloppy and screw up. With Hewerman, I don't see a connection to substance abuse. I see the difference being there with him and Gacy. Hewerman not being on any substance, Gacy being on substance. It does Hewerman see it does seem like longer, had a longer cooling off period. It seems like Gacy um, did get get very sloppy at the end. I mean, there were there was one oh. night where he killed three young men in one night, uh, and yeah. and it and it was yeah. almost as if if you kind of follow the chronology of what happened, it almost seems as if he wanted to get caught, and it was a relief once he did get caught. I, I don't know if that's the case, but. But I, but I, I, the idea that they both came kind of from the suburban area. They were both married with children. They were both, you know, prominent in their, you know, f- profession, uh, and they yeah. le- they led this double life, as you said, a chameleon. So during the day, Hurman is this architect. He goes to work. He's got a firm. He's got his daughter working at the firm with him. He's got a marriage that lasted twenty five years. I don't know if it was a good marriage or not. But he, and then at night, he had these 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 times where he would just, you know, go off and, and do these horrific things. Gacy was, was very, very similar. Very perfect, perfect analysis. Yep. 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 Very similar like that. And Hewerman would still be going on. I mean, 59 years old, he's still trying to set up dates, <laughs> you know, and we, and I'm going to tell you, you know, the four that uh, they're trying to tie to him. Okay. Is the tip of the iceberg. Okay, because, again, they start between 25, 35. That's a long way from 59. Okay, so wherever this guy's been, and, you know, they're looking in Vegas right now. They're looking in South Carolina right now. We have all these other bodies scattered all around New York. I mean, uh, we have uh, we we think there could be uh, definitely another serial killer that was working the area, too, because we have a lot of cutting, a lot of dismemberment. And so far, we can't connect dismemberment. We're cutting to you, humorman. Yeah. 
Let, let's uh, let's take a break, and I want to just keep discussing this topic and what else might be down the line. We're here with John Kelly. Uh, he's a internationally recognized criminal profiler and psychotherapist. If anyone has a question for him, give us a call here at 312-981-7200, WGN. I have to say I am uh, obsessed with these killers. I can't get enough of it. I don't know why. What part of my human brain uh, is fascinated by this? But we're here with John Kelly, who is a criminal profile and psychotherapist. He, you might see him all over the news talking about these cases uh, as they come up. You know, John, I have a uh, woman who or a texter from 847 who said, uh, was Gacy married? Why didn't the wife notice anything? I can answer that question. He was married twice. He had two children and he was sleeping in this bed with his wife while the boys were and the men were under the house. So uh, they did not know anything. I'm quite sure that that's the case. John, you know, we've watched the wife here in the Gilgo Beach murder, uh, Rex Hurman's wife, and she seems legitimately distraught and it seems to me that she didn't know anything would that be your assessment that she actually did not know anything about what he was doing at this point i totally believe that karen i'm glad you brought that up i think there's uh a lot of blame and shame going there that uh, need not go there she uh based on what the police said she was out of town when these murders took place okay she was away on vacation with the uh, kids and, um, you know, you got to understand that two things usually go into effect. One, the, the major factor is denial. Okay, denial is a very, very strong phenomenon that can uh, obscure your reality, obscure your judgment. I mean, and most women do not have a clue, most, that their husbands are serial killers. Usually, you know... Wives and friends are the last to find out, and usually women stick by their man until they, until court, until trial. I think Asia probably had an idea of, you know, his uh, um, sickening and horrific uh, porn, you know, because this guy was all. I mean, this, these guys are extremely hypersexual, and they're usually. You know, uh, trying to get their, uh, you know, their juice some way. And it's usually, uh, if they're not out hunting, you know, they're really into porn. And he was into an extremely violent porn from what we understand. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting with Gacy, you know, and, and many of my listeners know that I did represent Gacy in the last set of his death row appeals. And, you know, having been there at the end, you know, at the end, right before he was executed, he had all kinds of visitors and family members and friends and neighbors and cousins and uncles, and they were there professing their undying love for him, even though they knew that what he had done. And, you know, to me, that was just stunning because, but I guess, you know, you understand when you really care about someone and you know someone, you think you know one part of them, that other part just doesn't factor in. It's just astounding. And I think that it just goes to show. and mind blowing. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Yeah. It just goes to show how compartmentalized these guys are. You know, and um, it's uh, it's. It, I, yeah, I agree with you that she probably didn't know anything, and I can't even imagine what that's like to undo your whole life thinking what what you know. Yeah, I think I think her 
hair was actually found in some of the crime scenes, which means that, you know, yeah. it was transferred to him and then transferred to to a couple of the women, which is just disgusting if you can, you know, think about it. Um, yeah, but that's exactly what happened. It was it was transferred onto the uh, the camouflage burlap that he had the girls wrapped up in, which, you know, is easily done. So just because her hair was found there, that is exactly what you're saying, Karen Transference. That, has, that doesn't mean she had anything to do with it. No, no. So there was one, there are allegations by the sister of one of the victims that someone had called her after the sister went missing and was taunting her about the murder of her sister. You know, let's just, you know, who else could it have been if it's the defendant, if this, the defendant is really the killer here? What, why would somebody do that? Why would a killer call a sister and taunt her? Well, see, this is the sadistic serial killer, okay? This guy is a complete sadist, okay? He's, he's, he's what we consider like a lust killer, okay? He gets off, as I mentioned earlier, on other people's misery. I mean, he truly gets off on it. So this is the younger sister of uh, Bartholomew, okay? One of the girls that were found, right? It was Melissa. And... You know, he's telling he he's taunting her and saying, "Well, I have her here, you know, and I've got her, and I don't know what to do with her." You know, Stan, well, what were you going to do with her? He's killed her already. Then he calls her back a second time. Oh well, you know, I think I'm going to kill. In fact, killed her. Okay, I killed your sister. You know, I mean, he wanted to, he wanted to get the rush, okay, of of this young girl's misery and agony, okay? He wanted to torture her verbally and listen to her crying over the phone and in complete agony and pain. See, that turns them on. That that turns some... Not all serial killers are, are lust killers but, or, or sadists, but this guy sure is, based on what we know so far, if, if again, he's found guilty. John, I have a texter who said, is there a psychological test that you can give to a person to see if they get excited about hurting other people to see if they fit the profile of a serial killer or mutilator? That's a really good question. Yeah, you know, you have the MMPI, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory that you can use. Um, You know, it's not going to tell you the guy's a serial killer. You know, it's uh, going to lean more to uh, uh, the person being a sociopath or a psychopath. But as far as I know, that's the best we have out there right now. I mean, the warning signs are usually detected in childhood when we see somebody being very cruel to other kids. We see somebody being very cruel to animals. When we see uh, a younger person not seeming to have any guilt or remorse, you know, we find, uh, you know, sometimes there's bedwetting, you know, uh, but shoplifting, uh, usually fraud. I found, you you show me a serial killer, I'll find some fraud in there. (laughs) Well, because they they don't think that the rules apply to them. So, uh, you know, and you see this, yeah, you do see this in sociopaths where they have like a, I, I, it, and I don't know if that's the right word, but like diversity of crime. So they have like, yeah, you see them be cruel, but then you see them like defraud someone, whether it's uh, writing a bad check or scamming somebody. 
and then they might, you know, cut corners on something else, their taxes or whatever, but the rules don't apply to them. So, and why would they, you know, so because there's no remorse and there's no guilt. So you find that every step of the way, their whole life is about not having rules. Absolutely. And, and, and it's a, it's an extremely narcissistic personality disorder that you, that you're looking with that, that, the rules of life do not pertain to them, and it's also included with an antisocial personality disorder where they just don't follow society's rules. And, and in talking and interviewing a couple of serial killers, I mean, they pretty much say, look, at, you know, we're like aliens on this earth, okay? We know how to navigate through you guys, talking about us other humans, but we know we're much different. And we know we have to try to manipulate you in order to, you know, continue, uh, you know, to survive. John, we can't let you know who we are. That's really uh, that's really creepy, John. uh, But you're in the business of creepy, John. Just let's just face it. (laughs) Can you can you stay with us another 15 minutes? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. Let's take a break now for the news, and we'll come back. I'm going to talk about this case, wrap that up, and talk about the Idaho college murders. You're listening to WGN. Welcome back. We're here with John Kelly, who's a criminal profile, and we're talking about sociopaths here. John, we have a little time here. I want to finish up with this case on the Gilgo Beach murders. There are 11 bodies altogether, 10 or 11. um, And just this last week, a former police chief named James Burke was arrested for soliciting sex of a male in a, uh, it was an undercover person in a park nearby. He, He was acting very strangely during the time these were investigated investigated and actually kind of pushed the FBI away from coming in and helping. What do you think? Do you think it's possible that this guy also was a serial killer in this area? Or do you think the rest of these bodies are going to be attributable to the person who's already been arrested, Rex Ehrman? Well, I, I, th- I think that's an excellent question, and we're going to have to wait a while for the answer. I mean, um, you know, the chief, Burke, I mean, they've been... Uh, his name's been around for years. We we started looking at this 13 years, 14 years ago, and uh, I got to tell you that uh, you know the whole thing was kind of baffling. Um, we did a profile on it, which pretty accurate, 12 years ago, and we had the uh, Suffolk County Police come over. We had two detectives come over. We sat down with them. We talked to them. They asked us about what our thoughts were on the profile. At that time, I also was co-hosting a show called Dark Minds, and uh, we covered, that was our last uh, show that we covered on Dark Minds in our third season. And, uh, you know, so the detectives were interested in coming over and talking to us about the profile, because I do work with law enforcement, and we have a team made up of, you know, not only psychologists and psychotherapists, but but, uh, homicide detectives as well. So, anyway, the bottom line was, You know, in looking at it, that, uh, you know, uh, they were gung-ho. They were two very passionate detectives. Then the whole job got shut down. I mean, we didn't hear any more. It got shut down. We knew the FBI was asked to come in, and the FBI was asked to leave. So it definitely stalled this investigation. And I don't know if uh, his carrying on... Um, and the corruption that took place there 
not only destroyed the uh, you know the investigation at that time, but ended up costing the lives of others that we're not aware of yet. Yeah, and uh, I have a hard time believing uh, that. I mean, you're going to have to prove to me that he killed somebody. I have to, that has to be proven to me. But definitely, we've got a second player. I think we have a second player. You know, around the Gilgo area. Um, you know, there's been a number of serial killers for the last 20 years, starting with Joel Rifkin and Robert Shulman and, you know, crazy Johnny Bitroloff and now, now Rick Zimmerman that all came from that particular area over there. Something in the so water. It's going to so. be interesting. <laughs> In fact, I was just watching a special on Joel Rifkin, and I, I forgot that he was from Long Island. That's, that was his stomping grounds there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, right down the road. Yeah. 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 So it's, that's what we're waiting. We, more, more to be revealed. More to be revealed. Uh, how much of a role this uh, chief played in murder. Uh, I certainly uh, I can't say he's involved at all in, in a murder. He's in his, certainly in his proven guilty. He's not been called a suspect in a murder, maybe a person of interest. I don't know. But I will tell you that uh, you're definitely involved with all that corruption that took place. And I think there was uh, some higher ups, even a DA uh, that might have been involved and Right, the job got shut down, Karen. Yeah, if you if you if you really follow this, I mean, here's the chief of police who pushes the FBI away. Why? And he, meanwhile, someone steals stuff from his car, showing that he was uh, watching some very violent porn. And he, what did he do? He beat the suspect, went to jail for about three years, and so did the prosecutor. So you got this corruption on this level here while this investigation is going on with these bodies. And, you know, you, you don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but, you know, this doesn't make any sense. You know, to the average person, and the but the idea that there are two serial killers in this little area just, I you know, I guess it's possible. I guess it's uh, it is possible. But John, I want to skip to the Idaho College murders, and I think um, oh yeah, yeah, my listeners, you know, know about this. These are the four beautiful young people who were killed, brutally killed in this housing um, unit that, um, uh, you know, they were attending college there. And Brian Kohlberger was a student in another school, and he was studying criminology, an intelligent guy, kind of socially awkward. He was uh, arrested, and he is accused. Again, he's innocent until proven guilty. What kind of criminal profile are we talking about here? There wasn't rape. You're killing four young people. What 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 kind of person does this kind of crime? Well, you know, you can't call him a serial killer yet because we don't know if he killed anybody before he killed before. So what you're looking at here is actually a mass murder. You're correct. I mean, right. Technically, yep. Yeah, you're looking you're looking at a mass murder. So what caused him, you know, to go off and murder four people like that? I mean. You know, I mean, a lot of people are saying just this hatred he had against women. Um, one thing we know for sure, he was filled with volcanic rage, and that rage exploded on those girls, on those students. That we know, okay? Now, what what is it, the root cause of that rage? Where is it coming from? You know, uh, again, more to be revealed there. Uh, but it's uh, you know a very very uh, sad situation. I know they're looking at other cases in the area where he lived, or their uh, unsolved murder cases. 
to see if uh, there might be a connection there or not. So, I mean, it's it's uh, it, it's right now. We're just just hanging and waiting, and uh, you know, trying to uh, get more information on it. But it's 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 really, um, you know, something out of really left field. I mean, this is rare. Somebody runs into a house with a knife. I mean, it's happened before, but it's rare. Uh, and just attacks in the middle of the night. You know, uh, four people. I mean, you don't even know who's in there, who's got a gun. You know, I mean, you're running in there with a knife. I mean, it's... uh, I mean, we had, you know, we had our Richard Speck case all those years ago, but but he was a rapist. But he was a rapist. And and you, you know, I guess you could say, all right, that was his motive. He wanted to rape and kill women. But just the killing of these, you know, these people, just it makes no sense to me. I've heard people say that he's a criminologist. He wants to commit the perfect crime. I, I don't buy that. Uh, you know, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm not a criminologist like you are, but I would think like maybe that rage comes from him being so socially awkward, not being able to get a date, maybe thinking women are sort of off limits to him. And so he's got rage against women. And there just so happened to be a male there. Excellent, excellent point. That theory is as good as anybody else's right now. Sign me up for your job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you retire. (laughs) That's right. I want to be a profiler when I grow up, just like you, John. John, thank you so much, John Kelly, for joining us. And I'm sure you'll join us again. He's a criminal profiler. Where can people reach you if they would like you to speak or if you have something that you you can offer them? If, If they go to John Kelly llc.com all one you know you have to type it all together you got you got to eat search it all together john kelly llc.com or if they just want to do a google search uh john kelly profiler that'll take them to everything i've done and you know they'll end up uh, where where they're supposed to end up there's no question about it because we're really I'm really out there on the Internet. You and, absolutely uh, are. Yes. I with a lot of cases. Yeah. All right, John. Well, thank you. T- thank you for taking part of your Sunday with me. Take care. Oh, thank you. And I want to thank your audience. All right. Uh, you guys are great. Thank, thank you. you so Take much. care.